From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. And welcome to the show. All right, Janet, how are you today? I'm great, Adam. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to be back in these chairs in our new studio. I know. It's so beautiful in here. It really is. It's kind of a nice, cozy... uh, cozy space. Mm -hmm. So what are we going to be talking about today? Oh, we're going to talk about student debt forgiveness. Yeah. So um, I'm sure as a lot of our listeners know, um, recently the Biden administration announced that they're going to be rolling out via executive action, um, a pretty sweeping offering to relieve student borrowers, student debt holders um, of a portion of that debt. We'll kind of walk through what the plan that, that he's outlined, what that plan covers, mm-hmm. who qualifies for that plan. Um, and, and then we'll kind of finish by touching on, I think, what does that mean? Right. What were maybe some of mm-hmm. the alternative options we, we could have looked at. Is this a good thing, bad thing? Right. I'm sure there's going to be opinions all over the spectrum with our listeners, but you know, from our perspective, I want to say up front, these, these topics are never political for us. Right. Um, you know, we're human beings. Of course we have opinions and views on things, but we're really, you know, trained at putting on our work hat, right. Mm -hmm. And putting on our, our fiduciary hat. So we look at this solely from a, you know, what's the upside and the potential downside for, for the economy and, and for the American market in general. Um, so why don't you walk us through just in general terms, what this plan is and and who it covers. Okay. Okay. So interestingly enough, uh, when you mentioned this topic to me, Adam, I thought, oh yeah, that should be pretty easy. Right. And then I started doing a little Google research and wow, the data is overwhelming with regard to student debt alone. Mm -hmm. So, um, so anyway, but to answer your question, basically, this act is going to forgive up to $10,000 of a student's debt if they make less than 125000 a year. Uh, it can be, they can forgive up to 20000 if they are part of the Pell Grant, if mm-hmm. they receive Pell Grants as mm-hmm. well. Um, I think that just kind of puts them in a lower income bracket automatically, so... Yeah. So I think the thought there was if you received a Pell Grant, you went through a application process in which you documented that you had significant financial need right. outside exactly. the average borrower. Exactly. So if you received a Pell Grant kind of by default, you probably would benefit more greatly mm-hmm. from debt, debt forgiveness. Right. So that's kind of the idea. Right. Um, it also um, is reducing the income driven payments from 10% to 5%. Yep. Um, meaning when you are working, your loan payment is based on 10% of your income. He's reduced that to 5%. And then also capped it at 10 years. If you make these payments for 10 years, then whatever's left is forgiven. I understand that's also part of this. That's right. Um, I'll also throw out there, too, that he did extend the the loan pause program that was rolled out in March, I want to say, of 2020. Um, that was scheduled to end August, this August that we just passed. So he's right. extended that through the end of this year. They've been pretty clear that it's this will be the last extension of that program. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, for anyone listening, if if this appeals to you, if this is something you might qualify for, 
not something you want to rest on your laurels. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Uh, because that is going to be ending. They've said they're going to have a, a simple streamlined application up by October. We'll see. Right. The government's not so good at streamlined and simple. Right. Um, but we'll see what they come out yeah, with. Yeah, and who knows? It may get held up in the courts. Absolutely. It may not act. It may not actually happen. Uh, that yep. possibility is there as well. Yep. Uh, but I understand you'll have through next year to get this application in to That's see right. if you qualify. That's right. So. And, I mean, just take a step back. It, you know, we, we thought this would be interesting. A, it's interesting, right, um, because it's a big problem. And we're going we're gonna to kind of touch on some stats here that I think are really kind of mind-blowing right. when, you, when you put it in the context. Um, but – for a lot of our clients that we talk to every day, and so we kind of extrapolate from that and say, well, then if our clients feel this way, there's probably a lot of people that feel this way mm-hmm. and, and deal with these things. Either, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that you might be in your early 60s, but you might have taken out Parent PLUS loans, right? right? right. Uh, so this might affect, it's not just, you know, 20-somethings and 30-somethings right. that this affects. This affects a Absolutely. lot of folks. And even if it doesn't affect you as a, as a retiree or a later-in-life investor or professional, you might have kids that this can affect and they might not be you know, up to speed on it. So this could be helpful information. I'm sure for everyone listening, there's someone in your life that could benefit mm-hmm. from, from knowing more about this. Well, I think what it has done for me, just this little bit of research that we put into it, it's really shedding the light on a bigger issue. Oh yeah. And so, you know, maybe if that does that for us and our listeners, it's doing it for a lot of people where we can maybe get uh, this under control for our country, for sure. I agree. So, so why don't we take a few minutes? Um, for anyone, I would strongly encourage you to go to educationdata.org. It's a remarkable website. It's very simple. Um, and it really is just one long scrolling page of statistic mm-hmm. after statistic pure, purely related to educational debt in America. Um, and there's a massive number of, mind-blowing metrics that mm-hmm. that I don't even know if it puts it into perspective because you get into such silly numbers that it's kind of hard to wrap your head around what it all means. Um, but I wanted to highlight some of these because, you know, if, if you're not a student debt holder or if you don't have anyone in your life that this is negatively impacting, you know, it might be the question, you know, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Why is this even an initiative that the White House has taken, you know, to be so mm-hmm. important to them? So I have my pet stats Janet, do you have some pet stats that you want to throw out? Um, sure. Let me go to my second page here. But um, I ran across some stats that I thought were interesting. And it's kind of coming from the angle of why are we doing this yeah. when it only affects 13% of Americans. Okay. Mm. So 13% of Americans have student loan debt. of Americans don't even attend college. So we have chosen to to help a very small sampling of people in our country when there are a lot more people than that that need financial help for various reasons. In other words, there's a ton of problems out there. Right. Why do we pick this one? Exactly. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting stat. I mean, that's really all I have to say about it. Is. It. it is. But well, I'm, and we'll 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 come back to that because you know the, the pessimist in you could make certain conclusions about it, but it's a really mm-hmm. good insight that without right. that data, I don't think you were able to make that insight. Right. So. So I've got a couple here um, just to highlight kind of the scale of the problem, right? The scale mm-hmm. of the issue that that they're trying to tackle here. Total student loan debt in the U.S. So private and public together 
as of 2022 was $1.748 trillion. Crazy? Now of that 1.62 trillion was federally held. So the vast, vast majority is, is public loans that people are going to the federal government to get, to get loans from in 2006, that total was 520 million mm-hmm. in 1995. It was 187 billion. So to put that in perspective from 1995 to 2022, student loan debt has increased 766.3%. Mm. So That's that 40, is the bigger problem. It's the growth. Right. So That's 45% per year. Find me mm. any other asset class, investment, anything that's going to pace that. It's not. Mm-hmm. Now, the argument could be made that tuition is rising, mm-hmm. right? So maybe that number is just pacing inflation. Well, unfortunately, student loan debt is growing at 166.9% the rate of tuition, right? So even if you were only taking out money to cover tuition, mm-hmm. clearly there's something else going on right. because that money's coming out at an alarming rate. Maybe there's more people going to college perhaps, but I, I suspect there's some some uh, mm-hmm. more generalized societal trends we could probably pull out of that, that statistic. A couple others here, and then we'll move on. Student loan debt is now the second highest consumer debt category after mortgages, which is amazing. 43 million people, as Janet said, carry student loan debt. The average debt balance of those 43 million people is $37,600. Bachelor's degree holders have an average federal student debt loan of 32000 The average graduate student owes $189,000. Um, wow. Yeah, and then as I said earlier... Uh, the average 62-year-old federal borrower, okay, so th- these would be largely they're going to be parent plus loan holders, um, but the average 62-year-old federal student loan borrower owes $40,500. Now, you cross-reference that number with the average savings for a 62-year-old, and it gets alarming pretty quickly, mm-hmm. right, because that's not a good ratio. Now, right. you would hope that that number is, you know, a cross section of the, of the population that does have assets to offset some of that. And they're in a, a relatively healthy situation, but still that's $40,000 in debt at that age is, is not necessarily where you want to be with right. retirement, you know, looming. And then lastly, I found this to be really interesting. 21% of bachelor's degree holders have been delinquent on loan payments at least once by mm-hmm. age 30. Mm-hmm. That's remarkable. Yeah. So what are we doing to, to these kids that are, are going to school that they're doing exactly what they should do, right? They're doing exactly what they've been taught, which is get your education, right? learn, set yourself up for long-term success. But clearly with a fifth of these people, we're setting them up in a position to, to go fail. into default, to <laughs> fail essentially, right? right? To, right. Now, maybe they're still able to feed themselves and, and shelter themselves, but they're clearly not getting value for mm-hmm. what they pay. Right. Right. They're not able to, at the very least, pay back what they what they took out to get to where they are in mm-hmm. life. So clearly the, the system needs restructuring. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think all of these stats just just point to that, that the rate at which it's growing and and the effect it's having on these borrowers is not positive. Right. Um, so we, we touched a little bit on on who qualifies, as you mentioned, um, the, the, the plan itself, this only applies to, to government loans, right? So if you have private student loan debt, obviously this is not covered. Right. Um, it does apply to parent plus loans as well, which those are massive. Um, you, you cannot make over $125,000 a year. If you're married, that number is $250,000 a year. 
Um, and that applies to either 2020 or 2021. And does that not seem a little high to you? It does. And, and we talked about that earlier. I mean, I think uh, I'm speaking for myself here as a, and again, I mean, you look at the, the data, there's a ton of, of, you know, upper thirties, lower forties mm-hmm. folks that still are carrying the student loan debt. And so those folks, you know, might be up in the hundreds and two hundreds mm-hmm. and they have families and burdens. But I'm just thinking like when I was 25, if I made $125,000 a year when I was 25, I could probably pay my student yeah, loans. For sure. I mean, maybe, maybe you could call me entitled or, or maybe I'm privileged. I don't know, but that just seems like a high number, especially when we're looking mm-hmm. at like what the actual monthly payments are on the average mm-hmm. note. I mean, that seems like a high number. Um, yeah. The average payments, what? $300. Yeah. Right. So, right. Yeah. So it is a really high number. And, and so put a pin in that because I think the meat of this conversation will happen at the end, right? Mm-hmm. When we kind of get to why is this happening and why are we solving this specific or at least trying to attempt to solve this specific problem. Um, lastly, a, a couple of things here. Uh, borrowers employed by nonprofits, the military, and then federal, state, local, or tribal governments could be eligible for total student debt relief. Mm-hmm. So um, talked a little bit about that earlier. You know, that's one of the, well, actually, let's just, let's just yeah, hold on right, that. Right. Let's, let's hold on. That. Right. Um, now walk us through, Janet, you touched on this earlier, but walk us through income driven repayment plans. Cause th- this was something that was tweaked as well as part of this proposal. Right. So an income repayment plan is based on your earnings. So basically when you uh, graduate from college and get your job, mm-hmm. they're not going to require you to pay. It was more than 10% of, uh, that back in a payment plan. Uh, They've reduced that to 5%. So, and then I'm not sure if it's an income related, the cap of 10 years, if that's based on an income level or if it's just if you uh, sign up for this plan and you make 10 years of payments, then you're done, regardless of what the balance is at the end. My understanding is the latter as part of this proposal. Now, income-driven repayment plans in the past had no such cap. So that was kind of one of the offsetting things in the past was, well, you can certainly opt into an income-driven repayment plan, Mm -hmm. but there's two downsides. One, it's basically like refinancing a a mortgage, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're extending your amortization back out. So now you're going to be paying this for 20, 25 years, and you're going to end up paying massively more Mm -hmm. in interest over time. So you're, you're lowering the monthly burden, but you're really not doing the more efficient thing. Um, in the long run. So I think that's kind of the idea. Now, uh, these are <laughs> researching this, these can get really complicated really quick. Um, so there's typically four different types. I won't even bother going through the four different types because we don't have enough time today mm-hmm. to kind of delve into each one and the pros and cons of each. What I would encourage you to do if, if, if you're in a situation where you're not able to make the payments, if you're, if you're looking at a potential, um, uh, either a late payment or, or delinquency, um, I would encourage you, I actually looked at it. It's actually for, for a federal website. It's not bad. Um, go to studentaid.gov slash loan dash simulator. Um, I'll put that in the show notes and you can go and kind of put in your information and it'll kind of guide you through all the different options and, and help you arrive at, you can run simulations on different options, different payment amounts, and it'll help you figure out which, mm-hmm. which route's the best route to go. You can also always go to your loan servicer, um, and have them help you out as well. But just know that that's also an option, um, to kind of get, get relief if you need it. Now, 
we've kind of outlined it, but let's get into the, the, the meat of the conversation. So a, why this, um, and B, what could this mean for the broader economy? Like what effects mm-hmm. could this have that, that the average American, cause as you mentioned, this directly applies to a relatively small percentage. Mm-hmm. So how could people that this isn't applying to, how might they feel it? Right. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. In the big, huge scheme of things, I don't think the average person is going to feel anything from the effects of this um, unless they obviously qualify for the for the debt reduction. Then obviously that's a direct impact. Right. Um, but um, other than that, I really don't think so. I think it will have an effect on the economy, but I don't think it's going to be a huge effect. Right. We have so much else going on right now that's affecting our economy that I think this is just going to be a little it's drop It's going to be hard to parse out. Right. 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 This is the direct right. result. I mean, you can argue with, I mean, certainly you could. I don't think you will, Janet. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think it, it could affect inflation, right? Because effectively mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're, you're, you're increasing demand, right? right? You're freeing up cash flow for all right. these borrowers that now have either lower payments or no payments. I mean, for a lot of borrowers, this is going to wipe out all of their note, right? right. There's a ton of borrowers that um, we both know someone that, that had mm-hmm. less than right. 10,000 and, and actually knocked that off in the last, I want to say year, year and a half, they right. paid it down completely. And now they're hoping they're going to be able to get a refund for that. Right. But this is going to wipe out the debt for a lot of folks. And that's mm-hmm. going to free up, you know, on average about 300 bucks of cash flow every single month. And that money is going to get redeployed to somewhere else in the economy. So mm-hmm. that could affect inflation. Now, I don't think anywhere near to the degree that, you know, for instance, the, the relief from 2020, that this is, mm-hmm. you know, a spec, right? That was, let's say, 5 to 6% of GDP. In true dollars, this represents about 0.4% of GDP when you mm-hmm. look at $10,000 for the average borrower. So I, I agree with you there. I think, though, what it does highlight, and, and you said something earlier that really I couldn't agree with more, it's not a big number but it is, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel or seem like a big number because we've gotten so used to just paying, just writing a check, right? right? Printing the dollars. And that I, I wrestle with like the, the human part of me, the humanitarian mm-hmm. part of me that I, I don't want to see people struggle. Right. I don't, I don't want to struggle certainly. Right. So I can appreciate not wanting to see others struggle. Um, but at the same time, someone, nothing is free. Right. It's a simple truism, right? Nothing yeah. is free. And so where's that money going to come from? Now, obviously it's going to come from the taxpayer. That's right. where this money is coming exactly. from. Exactly. Now the good news is I use the word good loosely. This isn't increasing our debt, right? All of the loans that have been made already has been booked, right? We fund these direct loans through us treasury bonds. Mm-hmm. We issue those bonds based on the amount that we need to raise. So it's not going to increase the debt, but it is certainly going to reduce the government revenue right. that we're going to use to service the debt. By what, $300 billion? Yeah, $300 billion, which, mm-hmm. eh, you know, what's $300 billion? Yeah. We're talking about trillions. But at the end of the day, it just speaks to a, a larger trend of being flippant, being mm-hmm. loose with, mm-hmm. you know, can we always solve problems by just spending our way mm-hmm. out of it? Well, and also, you know, kind of the old adage, the squeaky wheel, right? Yeah. I mean, there's been such a big uprising, I guess, or what do you call them, picketing at mm-hmm. the White House, all these things around mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. happening. And 
and to me that that is very frustrating when when we have so many issues that need to be addressed. But no, we're going to take this one because what? We're getting close to November. We need to make sure that yep. uh, we get a few extra votes for our party or whatever. I mean, I think that's some of the motive. I don't think it's all of it. I do think that there's a sincere objective behind it. Sure. And I, there is a real problem that needs to be addressed, but it needs to be addressed from the inside out, not... Just throw some... Well, but the road to hell is paved with good intentions, yeah, right? I throw mean, some new money at it, right? Exactly. So... Um, well, and I want to be really... I, I want to make sure it's not coming across. I I, um, I am all for... I, I want all these people to, to get relief in some mm-hmm. way. And I think in a lot of ways, these borrowers are the victims. Right. Um, because, I mean, you start looking into it, and the in a, the level of integration between the universities... And the loan provider, whether that's the government or private mm-hmm. institutions, it is alarming right. how easy they've made it. Right. Like, it's a part of your college application. So I understand that anyone that applies for a federal student loan receives it for up to whatever amount they're giving out, that's right. the full amount, if right. they apply for it, um, without any counseling or any discussion. Guidance? No guidance unless, like I shared with Adam before we came in here, as a parent, um, I counseled my daughter when she was in college, she wanted to be a missionary, mm-hmm. which is very low income. Mm-hmm. But she wanted to go to a private school that specialized in that, right, at thirty grand a year. Intuition and costs. Very significant. And so we counseled her that we didn't think that was a good use of money. Mm-hmm. You are going to come out in debt. You're going to have a hard time paying off that debt. We're probably going to have to go into some debt to help you get that education mm-hmm. uh, for that. And so she uh, did some great things along the way. She ended up changing her major, and she sure. is in business, but... Um, but that's what good counsel looks like, right? But, yeah, she went to work for the university to get free tuition. Mm-hmm. Um, so for two years, she took out the loans. The last uh, three years, she went and got, got her master's, was paid for yep. because she worked. Yep. So that was a good decision on her part to not have such high debt coming out of college. But Yeah, I mean, I know, and, and I mean, everyone in the office knows that I'm, I'm the first one to kind of mm-hmm. lob grenades at social media in terms of, I mean, and I'm like everybody else, right? I'll, I'll talk bad about it. I have an Instagram like mm-hmm. everybody else and, and I get the virtues of it. I get how good it is for business and how it helps target you know, mm-hmm. specific, all that stuff. But societally, I mean, I remember feeling this when I went to college, like there is a, because now it is, it is taught from the day you go to elementary school, mm-hmm. like go to college, go to college, go to college. There is this assumption that, I deserve it. I, I, maybe that's the wrong word, but I, I must, I am right. I, I don't want to use the word entitlement because I don't think that's the spirit behind it. It's more like a, a failure to realize any other path mm-hmm. than four years or less at a traditional university. Right. And I, I, please hear me say, I'm not counseling anyone to not get their education. Right. I'm counseling you to weigh all of the factors mm-hmm. and to consider all the options. Right. So, We've talked about this before on this podcast, but this idea that, and, and one of the factors we looked at earlier, that the, the, 
the increase in the rate of debt and in the research, it's not just student loan debt. It's credit card debt to also fund these mm, things. It's, mm-hmm. it's the debt that people are taking out because they want to have an experience. It's not the education they value. This is my I'm, – I'm pontificating mm-hmm. them. But they want to get their education, but really what they want to do is be able to tell everybody they got their education, be able to tell everybody right. they're, they're doing the things that everyone expects them to do and that everyone else they perceive is doing. Mm-hmm. So I want to go to college for four years. I don't want to have to take six years because I'm working part-time. I want to be able to be in a sorority or fraternity. I want to be able Mm -hmm. to go to every football game. All that stuff costs money. Right. And so it's, it's part of, maybe it is entitlement, but it's, it's partly because we've been at least my generation, the generation coming up, that is the assumption. Mm -hmm. It is go to college, maintain the image, do it the the accepted way and figure it out on the back Mm -hmm. end. There's very little. And again, I get back to, I'm not blaming the, the students or the right. people going to college. I'm blaming the institution. Right? Right. I mean, the fact that debt's rising so fast, mm-hmm. I don't care that it's outpacing tuition. Mm-hmm. Football coaches don't need to make $8 million a year. I'm sorry. Right. But the fact that the high, like I, if you look at the highest paid state employee, I think in like 14 states, it's mm-hmm. the university football coach. That's a joke. Mm-hmm. And that's being paid for on the backs of the debt holders taking out yeah. these loans. And it's sickening. Right. It is sickening because they're not – it's not the education they're paying for. It's the, it's the, the infrastructure and the mm-hmm. lifestyle and the quote experience right. that they're getting that the universities are more than happy to peddle. Mm-hmm. They're more than happy to facilitate the debt mm-hmm. because look, they get the money. They're right. not the one paying the interest for 40 years. Right. So it's, I, I think at the crux of it, there's going to have to be a reckoning. Like I have twin girls that are going to be eight in a couple of mm-hmm. months. So this is going to be like in very, I, I blinked and they were eight. So I know I'm going to blink and they're going to be driving. Right. And we're going to be starting to spec out colleges right. if that's where their life goes. And that's what they want to do. And I, I truly think there's going to have to be a reckoning, a, a reassessment of what is, what are we doing here? Right. Like from a cost standpoint, from a lifestyle standpoint, because I'm all for getting life experience, but I also went to college. I know that it's not all life affirming mm-hmm. and positive things that are happening on college campuses and around college campuses. So you, know, you look overseas and that's not at all what their college looks like. Now, university overseas, mm-hmm. overseas, like especially the Nordic countries, it looks a lot more like our community college, mm-hmm. right? right? You are, Just you are specifically paying for the class, access to the yeah. information and the time of those professors right. and a room in which to sit, to gain that knowledge. Mm-hmm. That is it. Right. So I think there's going to have to be, you know, the, the college system, I think, is ripe for disruption. And I think a lot of that is starting to happen, I mm-hmm. think, through whether it's online solutions, whether right. it's through, you know, there's a lot of websites now where LinkedIn has programs you can go through to get education and professional certifications. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a deeper rooted problem because a lot of this, I think, is is status driven. Yeah, truly. absolutely. And so I think we're going to have to all the work we've done as a society to prop up your college mm-hmm. education and and as a default, as a result, the willingness of people to pay whatever it costs to make that happen. We're going to have to just as ardently kind of deconstruct Mm -hmm. that and more and place it appropriately in society where it belongs, which is extremely valuable, but the education is what's valuable. And there's a lot of ways to get an education. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, I mean, the online education opportunities are just incredible now. Yeah. So, and just like right now I'm going through a, a certification program. It's all online, which is yep. very convenient now. Super. But, and uh, you're gaining the knowledge, yeah. right? You're gaining the knowledge but yeah, and you're gaining just, the skill set. Yeah. 
And that's the value. Not having to pay for room and board and, and mm-hmm. all of those things. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and certainly I think that that's a way to counsel your students as well is, you know, look into community college, our online college for at mm-hmm. least a portion of it. Yeah, and, and it's all tied together, that right? I mean, money. we talk a lot yeah. about one of the things we're passionate about here at Asseboulder actually over the next year, we, we want to roll out a way to, like, we have a lot of clients that, um, are, are foundations or, or 501c3s that, that work with like schools mm-hmm. and educational entities. And I'd love to roll out a program where we can go to those. And, and I'm talking like high schools, private right. schools, go to those kids and put on just free as a value add, just right. a free seminar on some financial basics, right? Absolutely. Because it's all tied into that. It's a lack of knowledge on I know you think you're only borrowing 10 grand and you mm-hmm. think you're about to get a job on day one that pays a hundred. It doesn't work like that. Right. It, it just, they don't understand how quickly compound interest works on wealth accumulation and on debt accumulation. Mm-hmm. So it, it's all tied in, but we just need to do such a better job societally of having a long-term mm-hmm. view and not just hoovering up every last dollar we can mm-hmm. and put it on the backs of generations. Right. right? Because they're saddled. This generation I would argue the generation ahead of me, my generation, the generation below me, we're carrying the weight of essentially like another mortgage debt category. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Think about that's that. That's insane. I that, know. That's weighing, and not to mention, as we talked about last episode, we're also, you know, paying to support retirees today. Yeah. That's growing up. So you're just, you're, you're. Yeah. It cost this, us to put our girls through school nearly what we paid for our house. Right. It was many years ago when we bought the house, but right. still. Right. You know. And, and I think, you know. So I guess all that to say, I'm, it is a big problem. It needs to be addressed. It can't go on this, on the trend it's on now. Mm -hmm. That's why I believe it's right for disruptions because you extrapolate this out Mm -hmm. and it simply cannot go at this rate. It can't, it's going to get to a point where people are going to start to recognize. And, and maybe that's the market at work. At some point, the market will start telling people I can't pay this. Mm -hmm. I just can't. The price is too high. So demand falls. Um, but I, the pessimist in me doesn't think – I don't love the approach that this proposal is using mm-hmm. because I think if we truly wanted to get if, – if, if the true heart behind the idea was to solve the problem and to help not only the economy but the individuals that make up the – because right. that's what the economy is. The economy is just humans. Right. If we wanted to help those people that are truly struggling, I'm not so much interested in fairness. In, like with my kids, I, I – I don't care if, you know, like we have a thing in our home right now where one girl needs one set of needs, the other girl needs another thing. And it's really hard because they're seven and they yeah. want fairness. Anytime oh, anything yeah. isn't equitable and they're twins, <sighs> right? So it's hard. That's the worst. If it's not perfectly <laughs> equitable, it's a battle. But I'd rather have that battle today because Absolutely. my job is to give that kid what that kid needs. And they're different kids. So yeah. you don't have the same needs that the other kid has. Right. And there's going to come a time where, you know, it's all going to come around. But I think... I say pessimist because I, I think what, what this, this White House is doing is saying, how can I appeal to the broadest number right. of people? And what is the dollar amount it requires to get positive sentiment from them? Um, as opposed to saying, if we're going to spend $360 billion, mm-hmm. where's the best bang for the buck? Where's the best return right. on that investment? Right. And I have a hard time believing that a 27-year-old making one hundred twenty-five grand a year needs the ten grand in forgiveness. Exactly. And that's, yeah, I mean... And why just a free handout too? 
Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, why isn't there some reciprocation for that? In other words, some sort of public service. Non-monetary. Yeah. Yeah. Can you put in two years of public service, two hours a week of some sort to help out the government who's giving you this free mm-hmm. handout? Not I mean, even help out the government. Help out a neighbor. your community. Yeah. <laughs> help out your fellow man, right? right? It's but it just, I don't know, that that part really bothers me. I was telling Adam, you know, I know it may date me, but when uh, I got out of college, I had uh, more debt than I earned in a year. So my total debt was $20,000. This yeah. is definitely going to date me. <laughs> and my first job, I mean, I didn't make 20000 I right. think I made about eighteen. And so, you know, obviously went up from there. It took me 10 years to pay it off, but I paid it off and it felt great Mm -hmm. when I accomplished that. Mm -hmm. So, okay, I'm done. My education's paid for and now I just keep going forward with my career. Um, And And we already know that that ratio is flipped, right? Right. The fact that you... Your debt was more than you earned in a year. Well, we know that's not the case. Right. Average debt's like 34, 35, yeah. I think. Yeah. So. so, yeah, that just it doesn't make sense to me that someone making $125,000 a year needs assistance yeah. in paying off their student debt. Yeah. So. And, and I don't like, you know, I, I think I, I hate to use analogies that put the government in the position of the parent because mm-hmm. that makes my skin crawl, right? They, are, they work for us. At least they should. Absolutely. Um, but... I don't think you ever fix a problem by just blindly throwing money mm-hmm. at it because you're not, there's something underlying that got us to where we are today. And if you don't address that, maybe we, we solve 10% of the problem, mm-hmm. but you're going to be back to where you started a year from now because you didn't right. address the true root of the, the problem. So that's right. what I don't love about at least everything that I've read on the proposal so far is there is absolutely zero in it that attempts to address how we administer these loans, mm-hmm. how we, right. we underwrite them, how anywhere else you go, you have to, there's a, I mean, buying a home, you got to submit income docs. You got right. to, you got to appraise the home. It, it takes 60 days to buy right. a home. At least there needs to be a similar process by which not only just verifying the, their future ability to pay back, but mm-hmm. educational resources for them. To understand the gravity, the future ramifications of their decision, and if they still decide to do it, fine. But I guarantee you, if you if you require these borrowers to go to twelve hours of financial counseling or or financial education courses, you're going to wipe out some significant percentage of people applying for it because they don't want to have to go sit through those classes. Mm-hmm. And guess what? If twelve hours of learning is too much for you, that's probably a good thing. You probably yeah. shouldn't have taken the loan in the first place. Exactly. So there needs to be some <laughs> sort of more rigid process by which we're, we're regulating, you know, quit cutting the checks so quickly and so easily. Um, and, and I, I do wish in this program, it had been a little bit more nuanced in how they had mm-hmm. identified where that relief is going to go, right. To get that better bang for the buck, to truly get people that are like truly struggling to get by. Right. Those are the people that need it. So let's give them more assistance and not give it to people that, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, might not need so it. So why did they just get hung up on the student loan debt as the one initiative to... You know, I think it's like a lot of issues that become political. Mm-hmm. It's exactly that. It's because it becomes political, not because it becomes more or mm-hmm. less important. Right. right. There's a huge... I mean, like, you know, you, I'm, I'm partial to, you know, special needs causes and... 
I don't hear much of anything about special right. needs cause. And I know from a, I know for a fact from my day to day existence in this world, I know that there is a massive need in the public education system for more funding for special needs yeah. causes. Or even families. It doesn't affect enough. It doesn't the affect the cost associated with yep. raising yep. a special needs child yep. through adulthood. Yep. Most likely. Well, through, I mean, in for my the case, rest of your life. Yeah. Well, right, right. And so. I don't think it affects enough people. And if it doesn't affect enough people, it doesn't move the needle politically. And they're in the game of getting votes. And right. a vote is basically being liked. It's just so annoying. So if you're trying to be liked, <laughs> you need to, you, you have to find that Venn diagram of overlap of, it affects enough people, it affects them measurably mm-hmm. such that they care, and it has to affect them in a way mm-hmm. that they perceive as positive. Or maybe it's because the media is all well, 100% supportive true. and behind it. And it's one of those things, too, like I think it's really strategic because, I mean, I guarantee there are people listening going, oh, they're cold-hearted or they're, yeah. you know, and I I promise you. Not at all. Speak, Not I at can't all. speak for, I can tell you, Janet's one of the kindest, <laughs> most honest hearted people I know. So that's not the case. I Mm -hmm. think we try to look at things rationally, but I think it is strategic in the sense that anyone that attempts to argue against that, there's an inherent, like you appear, you appear, you know, not very thoughtful, not caring about your fellow man. And so I think that they know that they know that that's not a mistake. Mm So, and to be really clear, Plenty of stuff on the other side of the aisle I don't agree with either. And and we'll oh, be topics come up over time. This just happens to be something that we thought was relevant, something that does affect mm-hmm. our clients. And to be very clear, I blame absolutely zero people for taking advantage of this. You should. Mm-hmm. You should absolutely take advantage of this. That's why we're talking about it. If, right. if you're listening to this and you have student loan, please look it up online. Take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. It's there for you. You not taking it isn't going to do anything. Mm-hmm. So take advantage of it. Um, and, and please reach out to us. If you have any questions, we can certainly point you in the right direction. Um, but I hope it's been helpful. I hope yeah. it shed a little bit of light on it and, and insight. Certainly and, more interesting topic than I thought it would be. But, right. Yeah that, yeah. that was what I thought too. I mean, I knew it would be applicable, but I didn't think it'd be at least personally. I didn't think I would enjoy mm-hmm. the research part as much as I did, but it is, it is nuanced and it is complicated. So it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see. If, if more develops here, I certainly hope it does in yeah, a positive direction. I hope so too. I hope we can, can start to control those yep. costs, educational costs better as a country and, and provide the, the right type of counseling yep. for our kids and, and parents of those kids. To yep. And that's the goal, right? It's, we mm. should look at, I mean, they are kids. People yeah. are, the, the guys making these decisions, they're 17, 18, 19, yeah. 20. I mean, <laughs> These are people trying to start their life. And so if we truly wanted to be mm-hmm. in their corner and put them in the best position to succeed, help them get their education, but help them do it in a way that's sustainable. Right. And yeah, I mean, we, we could talk for hours, but <laughs> anyway, Janet, thank you for your thank time. Thank you. I enjoyed it was it. great. All great right. We'll be back today. next week, everybody. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye. Bye. If you have any questions for Adam or Janet concerning this topic or anything else, please visit us at our home on the web, assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every episode. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit assetbuilder.com.